All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast, Friday, November 23rd. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. Oh, DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. Head on over and grab a free seven-day trial for the podcast listener. When you go to DFSR.com slash deals, that'll get you started. It's free for seven days, just $24.95 a month after that, which is also a discounted rate. It's optimal lineups for NFL, NBA, premium content. You know, we have our uh, NBA bets going up there. NFL tournament stacks is all premium content. Premium chat for our users that are talking about sports leading up to and during and after uh, lineup locks for every sport. So go check it out, dfsr.com slash deals. We'll get you started. I think you'll be with us for the long haul once you get over there. Buddy, we have a still have 10 games on this main slate, even after a three-game um, pretty, Let's go. I'll say all, all intents and purposes, interesting enough fantasy-relevant Thanksgiving Day game that kind of saw Amari Cooper go crazy. Thankfully, he was in some of the Draft King, our DraftKings lineups. Um, we kind of had to do the old Traquan Smith shuffle near the end, but uh, <laughs> able to work that out with some of the late slot. All in all, were you happy with the way Thanksgiving turned out before we get to this main slate? Yeah, I think so. I you know, the just it, Thanksgiving slates are always kind of dumb to me and just short slates in general in football because they put you so at the mercy of whether you get the big game or not. And so we got Cooper. So I guess that went well. But yeah, I'm uh, ready to jump back into the sanity of a larger slate. Cleveland goes in and plays. Well, excuse me, before I get to this, we are going to break down every game on this slate, on the main slate of games for Sunday. We're going to talk about some of the injury news and notes that we need to pay attention to leading in. There are some there are some injury stuff, or is some injury stuff hanging out there that could actually really affect lineups, which we'll get to as we break down the games. Try to look at where we could exploit some possible DFS value. The first game is Cleveland and Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a three-point home favorite. The injury news and notes here are that AJ Green is might play. Like he sat out the last two games for the for the Bengals. Now it's looking he went from I think doubtful to questionable to play this week. Tyler Boyd was a guy that we had wanted to target as at least a high floor of targets on a week-to-week basis without Green. How do we feel about this passing situation for the Bengals if Green were to come back? Yeah, so the the thing with like I, I'm feeling as though Green is not going to play based okay. on the fact that he hasn't had practiced all day, or all week rather, and as of 12.43 Eastern Time, Roto World's reporting that he's truly 50-50 for whatever that means. Uh, I think Boyd right now, he's 6,800. I think that's just cheap enough that you can probably roll the dice whether you have the news or not. But given that this is a 1 o'clock game, I, I think obviously we'll have the news and you could just make an informed decision from there. I think Boyd is probably playable either way at 6,800 because, you know, with something like a toe, you could see Green come back, you know, not practicing all week too. You could definitely see Green come back and play limited snaps or, you know, be used sort of as a decoy. There's a number of different scenarios that don't involve him stepping in and just, you know, getting targeted 14 times a game. And the nice thing about Boyd, too, is, you know, people were talking about playing him at 7,800. He's down to 6,800 now, and that just puts him in the type of territory where the floor is probably high enough regardless of whether Green plays. Yeah, and he's going to, he still runs a lot of his roots out of the slot, even with right. uh, with Green there or not. That has been a pro- it's been a problematic place for the Browns to cover this season. Their, their slot cornerback uh, is uh, Buddy Calhoun, and he is by far the lowest rated cornerback that they have. So he draws a great matchup here. And like you said, the price has done nothing but drop down to 6,800. I think. 10 he saw 11 targets last week with, with green out of the lineup which was a nice return and you know the, the converge rate was a problem four for 71 uh on 11 on 11 targets is not good and you just have to expect the volume is going to be here uh in terms of the other Bengals guys I mean we have Mixon as a guy we've wanted 
Uh, Mixon's definitely been a guy we wanted to play in the past, uh, and the usage concerns are a little bit there for me, just mostly because the Bengals' offense has struggled. And then we can talk a little bit about the Browns. But what are your thoughts on Mixon? Yeah, Mixon's funny because he's another guy. People are playing him at 7,800, 8,000, stuff like that. Now you've got back-to-back games with relatively low touches for him, and it's also sort of excusable. Like Baltimore was a tough defense. They just couldn't get a single thing going against them. I mean, Mixon had 12 carries for 14 yards, so you can imagine why he didn't wind up with his full run of carries. And then on the New Orleans game, just sort of a wild game script. That being said, Mixon also could be just right now in the cheap for a reason category. Uh, you know, it's not. it wasn't clear at the beginning of the season that they really wanted to use him in the passing game. And now you have four of the last five weeks with fewer than 16 touches. So... I think you can probably just not bother unless you're playing in big tournaments here. He's close to me. I think that you know, Cleveland is significantly worse against the run this year than they are in the, against the pass. And DVOA, they're second overall against the against the pass, 26th against the rush. Um, I think this could be a bounce-back situation for Mixon after, you know, obviously the 12 for 14. did get a touchdown in there somehow. Um, but the 12 for 14 last week is a fairly troubling sign. I think this could be – I think we could be buying low here, and I can understand why there'd be some uh, why there'd be some hesitancy around wanting to play him, especially in cash. Cleveland is coming on the bye. They were a team that obviously has now turned fully to Nick Chubb in terms of the running game. He's rushed, rushed the ball 20 times for 176 and a touchdown, plus had three reset, three targets for 333. Went for over 200 yards last in week 10. Is he Now, we, we talked about him as being a game script independent sort of running back in that this guy gets the touches whether they're winning or losing. He's only 7,500 on FanDuel. Is he a guy that, like, because of the way Cleveland uses him, that it just seems like the floor is high enough that, I don't know, 7,500 doesn't seem like you're breaking the bank for the guy that could touch the ball 25 times. I mean, you might not be breaking the bank, but you're also taking on significant risk. I mean, if you just look at Nick Chubb's game script, even with all these carries, he's got one game where you're thrilled with the production, last game against Atlanta, against a pretty rough defense, and then three games where you're between pretty miserable and only really bummed. So I don't I don't want to play Nick Chubb at 7,500, given some of the other options that we'll get to shortly. Um, we're going to move into uh, Oakland and Baltimore. Baltimore, 10.5-point favorites after turning the reins over to Lamar Jackson last week and really just kind of re- totally revamping their offense because they had to because Lamar Jackson brings a totally different set of skills yeah. than Joe Flacco. They turned into a complete running team. He ran the ball a ton. They went to Gus Edwards out of the backfield. The Alex Collins was that that was just kind of over. I don't know. We talked earlier in the week about whether we thought that the, the Edwards thing was just more of a match for what they were going to bring for Jackson. You led the cash game article with Lamar Jackson. They're 10.5-point yep. favorites. Is he just the highest floor? Is he just the highest floor quarterback mostly because he's like a running back in a good game script? Yeah, he's like, I'm trying to think. He's like Leonard Fournette if another Fournette was also going to pass 19 times, and he's still 7,400. I think he's an excellent play. I think going up against Oakland here, it's a much, much more forgiving passing defense than he faced last week too. And I think Oakland right now leads the league in terms of yards per attempt allowed. So the very most generous team as a you know as it pertains to giving up passing yards to opposing quarterbacks. I think Jackson's a great play. I mean, Baltimore has this really unusual offense that they run with him that most teams are simply not going to be able to prepare for. Oakland just can't really prepare for anyone. He's still pretty cheap. Getting 20-plus carries, even if he doesn't hit 26 again, uh, I think if he gets any carries at all, you're going to see pretty high ownership on him. Or, I'm sorry, you'll see pretty good production out of him. And I think the ownership should be there as well. And you have to figure, too, I mean, if they manage to... I think it was like 54 running plays to 19 passing plays last week or something like that. Now they're going into a game where they're favored by 10.5 points. I don't see this as being a game where they get away from the run. So, yeah, I think you play Jackson, and I think you can also think about uh, playing Gus Edwards too. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. You you can live the Jackson 19 passes. You can live with the 68% completion percentage he threw out there too. It was just uh, he just didn't right. end up scoring any touchdowns. I mean, if you're gonna by the way, if you're gonna carry the ball 26 times in a game, you and you are controlling the ball. Like I, you're the quarterback. It's crazy actually that he didn't get a touchdown. So I think that he probably oh, yeah. in a lot of ways ran bad that the touchdowns sure. weren't there. Even if so, even if you think Oakland schemes a little bit better than they, what they saw last week, I think that um, I still think that he at least on DraftKings too, where he's still under six thousand. He probably comes in as the highest, yeah, fifty-seven hundred on DraftKings. Comes in as the highest floor quarterback. What about Edwards though? He was the guy that we saw the ball get turned over to a lot in this totally new offense. Where do we want to set his rushing ex- expectation at? Because he carried the ball seventeen times, did score a touchdown on his own as well. Uh, where does he kind of rank in these running back tiers now? Yeah, I mean, I threw him out there in the cash game article this week just because he's so darn cheap, and Harbaugh was so effusive in his praise for Edwards after last week's performance against the Bengals. Um, I think basically Harbaugh kind of hedged a little bit. He basically said we have four guys who give us quote-unquote different styles, and I think that's a plus for us. That kind of makes me think that he still believes there's a possibility that some of these other guys are going to get some playing time, but given how well Edwards performed and how much of a mishmash it's been with the other Baltimore running backs, I wouldn't be surprised if they just turned it over to him. I mean, it sounds kind of like they're doing this hot hand thing right now, but I would suspect that given the success he had alongside Jackson, that Edwards will be the first person to get the shot, and given that he's 5,300, you have you don't have that much to lose if it doesn't work out completely. Only at 5,300 FanDuel seems very cheap. There's no use for him in the passing game, so it's not really a place I don't think I want to go on draft. Based on one game, I don't but know. It's so hard to say. Ten and a half point favorites, though. This is where we talk about wanting to get the, the running games for certain teams when they are this big of favorites. This is right in that sweet spot. In terms of Oakland, Jordy Nelson is now questionable to come back. Uh, he might play this week. Brandon LaFell, they lost him for the year. Obviously, they were without Mari Cooper after the trade. This passing this passing uh, off, I hate to even put it in, you know, as the word offense around it. This team that goes and throws the ball at times for the Raiders. Um, LaFell and Cook were guys that we sort of targeted last week because we just were trying to figure out where the targets would go. Are we in the same situation maybe with Nelson and Cook this week uh, just for a team that doesn't look like they're going to be able to get anything up, going on the ground? Doug Martin is also questionable to play. Yeah, I don't, I'm not super interested. I think, you know, we kind of... We're laughing at the recap podcast about how lucky we got based on what we saw from their offense last week. Uh, they're going in as 10-point dogs here. Carr, I guess he managed 192 passing yards, but that's not exactly a pie that you absolutely need a piece of. And that was against an Arizona team that was a much better matchup. So I would just as soon, if I can avoid it, avoid playing any of these guys here. San Francisco goes and plays Tampa Bay. This game has the yep, checking <laughs> highest overall of the highest, week. I think. Here we go. What do we do? So we're on the we've been through we've been down this road before. Two times we've run into the Tampa Bay quarterback where the guy's gotten benched at halftime and the backups come yep. in and play great, and then they've switched it over and then only to have it happen again where we start this guy in cash. This week is Jameis. They have the highest implied total of the week. He's going to start. He has weapons. I. What do we do here? Because look. <laughs> The, co- the combination of the Tampa Bay quarterbacks this year, I saw this stat tweeted out the other day. If you combine their stats this year, there's only one quarterback in the league that has better numbers than them, and it's Mahomes. So, like, if you're the, the Jameis Fitzpatrick <laughs> co- combination of, of quarterback this year is essentially right. the second best quarterback in football, and they're just guys are such donkeys, they just can't figure out who to play or how, who to keep in. And, and then when the guy gets a chance, the guy can't just, just can't stop turning the ball over to their team. It's just totally insane. What do we do here? Because I, I kind of want to play Jameis here. And this would be really taking a lot of patience to do it because we've been burned twice in the situation already. Yeah, I think James is playable. Just as a slight correction here, Tampa Bay, third highest implied total, even if this game has the highest, just because the Colts 
Um, they're just favored so far ahead of Miami and oh, then New England. Same thing with the Jets. So when you get those widespreads, it can be tough to catch at the eyeball test. Yeah, that being said, I mean, Tampa Bay, third highest total on the week. James should be starting. We know he can run the ball. He's shown flashes in the passing game. Uh, I'll never understand why both he and Fitzpatrick can't seem to do it when they start right now, but <laughs> he can just come off the bench and go 12-16 for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Like, It's enough to drive a sane man to drink, and the price is cheap enough. Like, I mean, if you're just comparing him straight up against Lamar Jackson, it's basically a price challenge play. Who do you like better, Jameis or Jackson? I think I, I... like Jameis, and <laughs> I just don't know. I, I, I think I like Jameis better. I think Jameis is more upside, for sure. Um, sure. I think... I mean, we could, I was, was going to say, I don't think that's in question. I guess it could be in question. I think to me, it seems obvious that Jameis has more upside. When these Tampa Bay quarterbacks can put it together, they put up just huge, huge numbers. And if he just throws two picks in the first half, is Fitzpatrick just coming back into the game? Like, this is. Well, we know he well, might. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like in basketball now when you just have to assume the Anthony Davis injury piece. Like, you just have to say, if I'm going to start Anthony Davis in DFS, I need to understand that I'm introducing that the Anthony Davis is headed to the locker room scenario into my. It pre- like preload that into my conscious before the game starts because otherwise uh, you you just get you just go too crazy. So I think that's like kind of the only thing I'm looking at now. Let's just assume he plays. Actually, it doesn't even matter for these wide receivers because they're they're um op- these guys opportunity the, the passing game opportunity is not in question no matter who is out there. OJ Howard is now out for the year. Do we see a Cameron Brate just as the most popular DFS tight end? We kind of usually look for these tight ends that are coming cheap and a new opportunity. Does he fit the bill for you with Howard out? And then what do you think about guys like Evans and Jackson? Yeah, I mean, I think on FanDuel especially, where Brate's 4,400, that's enough of a savings that it would be pretty hard to make a case just because there's no good tight ends, right? So I think basically outside of Brate, you're looking at like Zach Ertz and you're going to pay 3,200 more uh, for Ertz in a matchup against the Giants where he was good but not exceptional. Uh, Yeah, so I think basically just go team by team if you really want to go through this exercise and see if you can even name the tight end on the team to start and then if you can just go look at their stats and see if they're reliably paying their price i think that you'll find that they're not so if you can just save a thousand and at the very least just like Brait is as good as vance mcdonald or jeff yorman or just the long 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 list of guys who generally suck but are 5500 now you can pay 4400 for someone in that same group i feel like that's the downside on Brait, and i think the gentleman's agreement among the dfs community is that we'll just play play Brait and punt the position yeah, uh, I think that that he probably ends up being something like a seventy percent start, maybe higher in cash games on both sides. He's just coming too darn cheap. The price didn't have time to correct thirty six hundred on DraftKings. Not the cheapest of the group, but definitely price underneath. And, we, and this is a guy we have at least some context with and some uh, background on. He has caught balls. He's caught touchdowns right. for this team in the past. They are a team that do like to throw to the tight end, especially down and close. Uh, I think most people understand this at this point about Tampa Bay. Uh, what about Mike Evans? He's another guy. Um, just in terms of target share. He's not among the very elite group, but he's he's up there. Been a slightly, I think, slightly better on the conversion rate. I'm kind of trying to pull this up as I talk, but is he a guy uh, going into a matchup against uh, San Francisco who has, uh, I think they're yeah, they're bottom half of the league defense this season, slightly worse against the pass. Is Evans a guy that you could turn to possibly even as a cash game play? No, I'm not going to turn to Evans as a cash game play. The targets are inconsistent. The conversion rate's inconsistent. The what he does, even when he catches the ball, is sort of inconsistent, too. He can obviously go off. He's still going to be a great big tournament play regardless, but you're not going to play him at nearly 8000 in cash. 
Uh, what about the San Francisco side? They're still starting Mullins. They are coming off the bye here. Brita got a lot of, you know, see, it's funny too because like, uh, Tampa Bay is among the worst passing defenses in all of football. They score quickly when they do score or they have their guys, their quarterbacks just hucking the ball into the chest of the opposing defense for, for picks and whatnot. Uh, Mullins had t- 250 yards and two touchdowns, excuse me, 250 passing yards and touchdown last week on 39 attempts. He Is he a guy that we can even consider or is just like, is, are we just too far down the quarterback chain here in San Francisco and we're just getting into the depths of guys who just probably just don't have enough talent? Yeah, I just don't know why I need to force this game or this team at all. Like, they're just so speculative and they are not, the, the guys that are left are not very talented. He's not really walking into an offense that supports anyone. And from a DFS perspective on a week to week basis, so sure, you're getting some savings, but I also think that other guys like Jackson, even Winston, they're not that, they're certainly more expensive and that's a fundamental difference in price, but you're going to get relative safety with those guys versus just rolling the dice and getting a complete unknown here. I don't mind Brita at uh, 6,400 on FanDuel. Carried the ball 17 times before the bye. 101 yards and a touchdown. Also caught, also saw four targets in the passing game. If he's going to be a guy that touches the ball over 20 times a game, then and the other the important thing for him last time too was he outsnapped Alfred Morris 44 to 14. Uh, as the, the more they work themselves at any kind of timeshare here, and if he's going to be a guy that touches the ball at least 20 times a game, then Tampa Bay is a defense you can definitely exploit, especially for running backs who catch the ball out of the backfield. They, they I think, believe. Tampa Bay ranks dead last in being able to defend air yards uh, to opposing running backs. So Morris, excuse me, Brita, cheap enough that he's probably not going to butt up as a cash game play for me. But if you're going to stack this game, especially if you do like some of the Tampa Bay passing options, I don't mind bringing Brita back the other way uh, as a higher floor option because if they can just give him the ball enough. New England, you mentioned New England before, is having one of the highest totals. They're a 10-point favorite here against the Jets. They're getting healthier. It looks like Gronk is going to play this week. Sony Michelle is back, and they're coming off the bye. Ten point favorites over the Jets. Uh, this is usually where we want to target running backs. Do you see Sony Michelle as a guy that we can take a look at? Possibly. I looked at him for cash game purposes, and ultimately concluded that the basically just the amount of carries he gets is potentially too inconsistent here. Uh, you know, the Pats should be up, but it's never clear with me or to me rather that they necessarily want to run. And I think Michelle also with the emergence of James White this year, is just pretty much a strictly two-down back. So I think for that reason, I just, again, he's in that same no-man's land of price territory the Breed is in too, where 6,600, you really, generally speaking, if you're going to land in that spot of the running back position, you want some measure of safety. So Sonny Michel going into, you know, coming off his 20-plus touch weeks, the three in a row that he had uh, from September into October, sure, given that there's been some injury stuff, you know, the other pattern play patterns have emerged for new england i just see him as a big tournament play only yeah and it doesn't probably help him either the Cordell patterson kind of was fairly yeah there's just uh, a lot going on there man. he just got he he did well enough when michelle was out that they can you know justify playing him on a couple snaps at running back as well and the more that's going to turn into a committee you just do have it does get problematic 10 point favorite not always where we want to target the passing game but the pats have shown at times that they their passing game will be their de facto run do you see guys like Edelman being still viable even if Gronk is coming back he and Gordon had seen decent decent targets over the last couple of weeks without Gronk I really like Edelman actually I think that he is probably an underrated DFS commodity right now just because he does a one specific thing for the Pats really really well and that's catch those short balls and especially balls over the middle I think if the Patriots win by as much as Vegas projects them to you could see them turn to the short pass more often and surely James White and Gronk uh, potentially eat into some of that but Edelman's got 32 targets in the last three weeks he's got 
let's see here, 24 catches and 279 yards. So that's just an excellent production on its face, and he has no touchdowns in that stretch, and possibly that could be because he's not a big red zone target for them, but he's still got to be running bad on touchdowns if you touch the ball 24 times uh, as a pass catcher and never have one of those land in the end zone. So I I think Edelman's still cash game viable. I think he also helps. I think this is a week where you're going to have to pay up a little bit at running back, and he's a nice potentially high-tier option at a mid-tier price. We have the Patriots defense as the fourth highest projected defense this week. They are coming pretty expensive, though. Among the group, at least on FanDuel, that are the most expensive, or excuse me, the highest projected, they are the cheapest of the group. So they're 900 less than the Ravens, uh, 800 less than the Chargers, and 700 less than the Jaguars. So I think you're getting some defensive value off the Patriots this week, even though their defense in and of itself is not all that good. This Jets offense, Darnold's going to sit again. McCown, they have no running game. The pass catchers are pretty bad. I think you have some value on the Patriots defense this week. And I'm not they can see. I think they can see decent ownership just because they're cheaper than the top tier of other teams. Giants go in and play the Eagles. Last, or excuse me, there's a couple more 1 o'clock games. Uh, Eagles are 5.5-point favorites. Again, where we like to sometimes start targeting running backs, and the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles got stomped by the Saints last week, so it's not a good proxy for like what is going to happen on the in terms of the ground game. And their snap count went Josh Adams got 28 snaps, 7 carries. Corey Clement, 14 snaps, 2 carries. Uh, Wendell Smallwood got 4 snaps, and then that was basically the end of their running game. Is there? Uh, there's just like too many mouths to feed here. It doesn't seem like they even know who they want to start at running back. Josh Adams kind of came out of nowhere. Still got the most carries. He was decently effective, 53 yards and a touchdown. Is he a guy that like we can maybe take a flyer on in GBPs if they if they were eventually to turn over like a 15 carry game to him? I mean, if they eventually do that, sure. I think for cash game purposes, the only real relevant guy in this game is Carson Wentz. Uh, he was excellent against the Giants earlier this season. Best game of the year, in fact, uh, 24.5 fantasy points. He's obviously coming off a terrible performance against the Saints, but with the three picks, especially at the beginning of drives, he just never really got going, and I don't know how much you want to... I mean, you can pin that loss on him, but I don't think it's due to a declining skill set or anything like that. So I still think Wentz should... I mean, he's also basically the same price as Winston and Jackson, too. I think he's definitely a playable cash game option, and for big tournaments, you can pair him with someone like Ertz and uh, potentially tap into some upside as well. Where would you rank uh, Wentz among the group of Jackson and uh, and Jameis? Like, is he third of the group, or is he basically, or are you having like more tied with those guys? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think I just like Jackson overall because again, he's a running back who passes sometimes that you can play at quarterback. And I think he just has such a great matchup that it's hard to believe the Ravens will go away from him. And I think I see Wentz and Jameis is pretty similar in the next group. I mean, if Vegas is to be believed, Winston in particular should be a dramatically better play. I guess I'm just more following uh, what my gut tells me about what Wentz has done in the past and just the fact that he's just a more credible quarterback overall. Like the high high, maybe he doesn't have the same high highs, but the lows shouldn't be as low either. Last week notwithstanding. A terrible game one week can can stick in people's minds and it's really not hasn't been the case with him the weeks before he threw right. 360 yards the week before 73 percent completion rate two two touchdowns your week before 70 percent completion rate for 286 and three touchdowns and then an 81 percent completion rate for 310 and two touchdowns and then and then you can keep going down the list but those three specific games right before were basically all around 300 yards more two or more touchdowns per game this guy's just been a really good quarterback he's just coming off like an all-time will probably never be worse in a single game for the rest of his career possibly and that can stick too much in people's minds in the short term. And I'm with you. Our projection Absolutely. system has him right in line with Jameis. And I guess the only, and the only reason I, and the reason I mentioned this is because the only reason I was going to have him ranked under those other guys 
is because of last week's game. And I don't know if that's necessarily a correct uh, thought process. So I was just kind of just more speaking to why it didn't seem like he should be in that group. And then he probably should be if you just are able to eliminate some short-term recency bias. What about the Giants side? Uh, guys like Manning, Saquon, Odell. That's essentially their whole team at this point in offense. If they're playing in a game like a game for catch or excuse me, playing from behind and catching up. Do you see them, these guys getting a lot of use in the passing game? Yeah, potentially. I think both of them are reasonable plays. I think for cash game purposes, both on the expensive side for me, because the way I see it, like, so at running back, I think you get to pick one of these top tier running backs this week. And I just like Melvin Gordon better than Saquon Barkley. I could listen if someone wanted to make the alternative case. I just think Gordon for my money is a little bit safer right now. Uh, even though Barkley's coming off the much better week. But I, I suspect you'll see a good amount of people go in his direction. And then with Beckham Jr., he's basically at a challenge price to Antonio Brown. And uh, my slight preference would go in the direction of Brown. But I almost wrote up both of these guys for the cash game article. God bless you if you're watching the Jacksonville-Buffalo game this week. Uh, Jacksonville's a three-point road favorite. They can't coming off a week where they were eliminated from the playoffs by just giving up to the Steelers. Warren Sharp did a great thread about how if you just you have to be sickened if you're a Jaguar, Jaguar fan, where they're winning game 16 nothing or something like that. Almost the exact same scenario they had in the AFC Conference AFC Championship last year where they were beating the Patriots and then just did everything to lose the game by just running the clock, trying to run the clock, not be able to get any first downs. They did the exact same thing last week against Pittsburgh, and he just had to like, it's almost like this puke, this puke thread where he's like, I just like, just can't even believe how stupid this coaching staff is <laughs> in terms of Jacksonville. And again, we talked about it too. Like just from a stupidity standpoint, even we notice it when, when a team takes a guy like Leonard Fournette and just, again, runs him into the ground in like a meaningless, meaningless season. It just seems like they just don't know what they're doing. Anyway, they play the Bills. Uh, Fournette still feels like he's going to get a ton of carries. And then on the other side, LaShawn McCoy touched the ball 26 times in the w- previous week against the Jets. This game on paper is not a game that I ever want to tune into, but how much – can we like either one of these running backs, especially if they're going to be huge volume guys? Yeah, I mean, McCoy, too. I don't know if you've seen his DraftKings price, but the guy is that's, cheap over there. Yeah, 40, well, that's, <laughs> so, that's actually why I bring him up, because 4,200 yeah. in DraftKings, and he has shown the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, and they finally yeah. like took the reins off last week and gave him the ball a lot. Like He touched the ball like 27 times or something like that. I mean, do we just want to play? Well, let's, we'll go to Fournette in a second. Do we just want to play McCoy on DraftKings at 4,200? I, I get that the matchup is terrible. Jacksonville's coming off a devastating loss. I, they're fa- they're underdogs, but I mean, could we are we look are we staring at a week of playing Lashawn McCoy at forty two hundred in cash? I mean, so on paper you've got a game with a thirty seven total and a running back who's an underdog in that game, so not ideal. I would start with and Jacksonville coming off of shutting down James Conner, who's been one of the best running backs in the NFL this season. So that's another check in the not ideal category. That said, man, the price like if there's any scenario, you have to think the Bills after seeing what they got out of McCoy last week have to be like, huh. Maybe we should run the ball more and not pass get, the ball. He looked kind of fast. Like, he looked good. Like, I watched part of that game. He looked like old kind of LaShawn McCoy, just like getting the ball outside, carrying the ball, like he's carrying a loaf of bread home, like daring someone mm-hmm. to daring someone to just strip it out of his hand. Kind of looked like the old spring in the step. We haven't really seen sure. it that much this season. I don't know. The 4,200 price is going to be very difficult to get away from. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Like, I mean, Barkley only passed 25 times last week, too. I, th- I think you could see some pretty significant ownership on McCoy. And, he, and really on DraftKings where the pricing is very tight, McCoy opens up a lot of options at other positions. So the Bills I'm do get Josh Allen. They get Josh Allen back this week. Um, he's going to start. I don't know if that Lucky. helps or hurts McCoy overall. Um, it wasn't necessarily helping him early in the year. Um, Allen does a lot of scrambling around. I, I, you have to figure he's at least the better quarterback of the group. And then Jacksonville, like we talked about Fournette in the recap podcast, this guy, he touched his, his volume enough to make it put him into the discussion here, even with the game with such a low total. Because very few other running backs carry the ball as much as him. 
but very few teams do less with what they like when they give the running back the ball or just do anything on offense. What are your th- th- thoughts on Fournette before we get off this? Yeah, game? I mean our our system is bullish on him on DraftKings. Like I said, you know this game should feature a lot of running. The Bills are a credible defense. The Jags don't seem to trust Bortles as far as they can throw him collectively, and Fournette's been one of the highest volume running backs when the game script calls for it. I don't suspect we'll see a ton of games going forward where the game script will call for it, but in a game where they're favored to be uh, to win by three points, 6700 is just not a very big price tag for a guy who could touch the ball mid to high 20s times. So, yeah, I think he's another guy that you probably should take a hard look at on DraftKings. Draft, our DraftKings lineup right now is Fournette and McCoy. Yeah, top it's line, not great. So. <laughs> it's just like dfsr.com slash deals. We get you started on that. Uh, on, on those <laughs> so you can see what kind of lineups you can make with Fournette <laughs> and Sean McCoy. Let's go. All right, Seattle goes in and plays Carolina. There were some question marks around Cam about whether he was going to play or not this week. I think he still has a questionable tag on him, though it is looking increasing more likely like he is going to play. The line is set like he's going to play with Carolina minus three over under of 47. Um, how if Cam's healthy, he's another guy where we've talked about him in the cash game considerations at the past. We have a decently high projection on him. He's in the sort of the same price range, at least on DraftKings, as the other cash game guys that we've considered. But he's a little bit more expensive on Fanduel. Where do you land with a guy like Cam? Eh, I just feel like I have a lot of other guys that are very similar to Cam in my mind that I can play this week that I don't have to pay quite as much for. I mean, say what you will about Cam, he has brought a level of consistency that I didn't know he was capable of, for at least from a fantasy points perspective. But it just terrifies me that he kind of got has gotten it done in different ways each week. I mean, he was I liked him because he was running the ball 9 to 11 times a game. Last two games, he hasn't run the ball at all. Two tarries in each of those games. But then randomly, he was good at passing against Detroit. So are the Panthers just like sneaky geniuses that know exactly when... It's the right time to play Cam is. Another crazy stat that I found while trying to research this cash game article is that Cam, if you just set aside week one, he's had two or more passing touchdowns in every single week since then. And that represents a pretty significant floor too. And, you know, if you think that he's going to be a huge part of most of their, I mean, all of their passing touchdowns, and then a significant chunk of their rushing touchdowns as well, and the fact that he'll just pass to McCaffrey and that will, you know, be kind of those short passes, the new run sort of plays you'll get as well. I don't know, man. There's definitely... There's definitely something to playing Cam in cash games for sure. Now, it looks like Devin Funches is doubtful for this week. Uh, that news hit sometime earlier this afternoon. But he, if he were to sit out, that does open up a fair amount of targets for this team. Last week, Funches saw eight targets, uh, led the team. Well, he's tied in the team with McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Uh, I believe he's second on the team overall behind McCaffrey in terms of targets this season. Where would we start setting the target share for the, the guys remaining? And like I said, it doesn't look like Funches is going to play. Do we want to boost up guys like Moore? Uh, who Moore had a great game last week, seven catches, 156 seven yards and a touchdown and we've seen some big games out of him in the past we obviously know McCaffrey what he can do out of the backfield catching the ball uh and then we maybe bump up guys like Curtis Samuel Greg Olson etc um actually probably more Jarius right than, than Curtis Samuel what what how do we want to redistribute Funches' targets to the rest of this offense and would any of these pass catchers become viable yeah I think DJ Moore he's a guy that a lot of people have tried to dream on this season uh the price is up a little bit but it's only at 5800 and with the eight targets last week, if you think that he's going to get a percentage of Funchess's vacated targets, then yeah, I think you can certainly consider him. Uh, the other guy that you know most people have forgotten about, and I think this is only a big tournament play, but uh, Greg Olson's still on this team, by the way. Yep. <laughs> and tight end, still a bad position. And Olson, the targets haven't been there overall, but the red zone targets have been. And he has four touchdowns in his last five games. So there's probably a breakout week for Olsen at some point. I mean, he's already had a couple good games, but uh, just not a guy to sleep on for your big tournaments, just because I think most people are just completely off this guy. 
Yeah, um, I'm trying to update some of these to the the targets right now, and it looks like we're gonna might end up landing on a guy like DJ Moore, even in cash. Uh, the, like you said, the price yeah, has the, the price has come up, and he was pretty chalky two weeks ago and didn't really do much. Forty six hundred on DraftKings, but if you think if, if you think at forty six hundred he's gonna see something like eight targets, and I think that's fine. I think it's fine setting him somewhere around there without Funchess. I think you're probably looking pretty close to cash game uh, viable. And then we have Seattle. I mean, the, Chris Carson was the running back last week. I feel like each week we don't really know who the running back is going to be or who's going to touch the ball. Carson carried the ball 17 times for 83 yards and a touchdown. Rashad Penny was also still there, 8 for 46. And Mike Davis is still kind of waiting in the wings as well. Yeah. Is there just too little too little consistency out of what we get on a running back in terms of who we know is going to get the carries week to week? And then I feel like their passing game is something that I haven't really thought about at all except for like the smallest of slates this season. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, all season long, I think I've – like really thought hard about playing any member of the Seattle offense, like twice maybe. Like I'm right. saying, like two total guys for the whole season, and this is not one of those weeks. So no, I'm not going to be thinking about Seattle here. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty much falling in in the same camp. All right, let's keep rolling. We get into the four o'clock games. Arizona goes in and plays the Chargers. Chargers 13 point favorites at home against a Cardinals team who's just obviously been pretty bad all this season. 13 points or more is, or excuse me, really anything more than five and a half points is where we want to start targeting running backs. It looks a little bit better when they're at home, although really the Vegas line speaks more to, to anything else in terms of running backs. So it looks like we're looking at Melvin Gordon. He's questionable, though, this week. What are we, yeah. Where do we land with him? He's a little bit banged up. I think he's going to play, but he ends up might becoming a game-time decision in a 4 o'clock game, and that can be very problematic. What are your thoughts here on Gordon? If we got a full bill of health, and then also what happens if we maybe don't know his injury status going into Sunday? Yeah, so I think if you get a full bill of health, you probably just play him. I think he's definitely leading my personal clubhouse in terms of playable running backs. Uh, the hamstring thing has kind of bothered him on and off this season, so I think that questionable tag, like it's it's existed before, and sometimes it's just been precautionary. I think right now, though, you just have to be in wait-and-see mode. I think... Hopefully we will have some news leading up to kickoff, but I guess if we don't, then you probably don't want to play him. I mean, you don't want to just slide someone in there at 8,900 if you don't know if they're going to play or not. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really like Gordon. I think, you know, health questions aside, I think he is the premier running back on this slate just because there's so many guys missing from this slate, right? I mean, we saw Zeke go up against Kamara on Thursday. I mean, just for DFS purposes, uh, Hunt isn't on this slate. Gurley's not on this slate, and that just leaves you with basically Gordon and Barkley to choose between, uh, especially with Connor's kind of fall from grace on some level too. So yeah, I really like Gordon. Hope to play him and I'm going to monitor the injury news. I think the way you probably go into, if we don't know the injury news, I think my suggestion would probably be, let's say it's one o'clock Eastern and we don't know because it's a game of decision. My suggestion would be play him. You know that you can switch to Eckler and then pay and like leave another spot open where you could spend up at the say wide receiver for this mm. league. Cause there's enough other guys. Like there's like Keenan Allen's here. Um, there's T.Y. Hilton, there's uh, Antonio Brown. They're all the 4 o'clock games. So yeah. I think that you, there's a situation where you may, the, you probably end up leaving a little bit of money on the table, but then also Eckler, if he was just the starting running back and there was no Melvin Gordon, that guy would be worth like a seventh, probably six to $7,000 running back anyway. So even if you left money on the table, effectively you're not leaving it on the table with that late news. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I think that would be my strategy going in, even if I didn't know. That's why I'm actually not all that worried about the Gordon news ahead of time unless it was going to end up with him being in some kind of timeshare. Um, what yeah, do you think? It makes thoughts? sense to me. And it's, it's makes perfect sense too, because this being the four Oh five game means that the other games won't have started yet. So yeah. you could just pivot right off and move on with your life. 
And luckily with football, we you know even the worst case scenarios we usually know within the last hour before game time, yes. and most times we just know for guys this high profile we just know before the game before the one o'clock games even start. Mm-hmm. All right, um, what about the rest of these guys? Keenan Allen's coming off a couple of big weeks, uh, seen some return to some of his target share. David Johnson, we wanted to target as a running back in the past. It seems like they're such underdogs; he would have to get it all the way done in the passing game here. Any of your thoughts on the Chargers and Cardinals in this game? Yeah, I mean, I'd rather not play anybody in the Chargers passing game, just to be honest with you. I mean, if there was one guy, it would be Keenan Allen. I don't want to get too overly optimistic about one week, though, because prior to last week, Rivers had gone five straight weeks with 27 or fewer passing attempts. And it's turned into some yards and some touchdowns and all that kind of stuff, but I just tend to think that that passing game is just going to be too risky, and especially in a game where they're heavily favored against the Cardinals, you could absolutely see them just turn it over to the running game and kind of move on. So, yeah, interesting big tournament plays, as usual, when it comes to any good player, <laughs> but I don't want to be there for cash, I don't think. Miami goes into Indiana, uh, Indianapolis excuse me, to play the Colts. Colts 7.5-point favorites, another one of the biggest implied totals of the week. We've talked about Andrew Luck on the Recap Podcast, how he's just – Put together a great year, a lot of touchdowns, uh, has been very accurate. And finally, you know, targeting T.Y. Hilton a lot this season. I wish that T.Y. Hilton had played a few more games because I had a uh, uh, prop bet on him to lead the league in uh, receiving yards. And <laughs> the weeks where he put up some monsters, but he just hasn't been healthy enough to really to have that number ultimately get there. What are our thoughts here? Seven and a half point favorites, a lot of points. Marlon Mack out of the running back situation. Is he is he like a cash game guy? Because seven and a half is right where we want to target guys. And then what are your thoughts on some of the, the passing game for Indian, Indianapolis? Yeah, I mean, I really like Andrew Luck. I wrote him up for cash as well. I think if you just look at the game logs, it's just every darn week with this guy. 22 to 24 fantasy points. I guess there's a 26 fantasy point here as well. But in the last six weeks, yeah, 22 to 26 fantasy points every single week. Just the very vision of consistency. Hasn't thrown for fewer than three touchdowns in a game since September 23rd. The guy's uh, just super, super consistent. He's basically given up the long ball in favor of higher volume and shorter passes. And that's led to just really consistent fantasy performance, which makes sense. Like he used to really rely on the feast or famine T.Y. Hilton of just bombing the ball downfield. And he even did that with Dante Moncrief a little bit. And now it's just, you know, more dink and dunk stuff. And yeah, highest completion percentage of his career, best fantasy consistency of his career and basically a totally remade quarterback. But yeah, I really like him. And, and I think Hilton as well, uh, you know, we've seen him be playable at 8,000. I think you're dreaming a little bit on the targets just because he hasn't hit double digit targets since that game on September 23rd. But, uh, you know, you'd love to see the 9-for-9 nine nine last week against Tennessee. And certainly if he does, has another week like that, you'll see him rise back up into 8,000s pretty quickly. What about uh, on the Miami side? $4,600, Danny Amendola has something like 30 targets over the last – and maybe like 27 targets over the last three mm-hmm. weeks. They were on a bye last week. Does he fit I – and mean, he's not going to do much downfield, but does he see enough targets to get maybe to have a higher enough floor on DraftKings to consider? Or are you kind of just asking too much out of the Dolphins' passing game? Now, I'm not into both Amendola and Parker here. I think, you know, if they're slated to be underdogs, they do get Tannehill back this week, and that should provide something of a bump for the passing game. And, you know, Parker and Amendola both dealing with their own injury issues. And certainly if either of them were to miss, I'd like the other one even more. But I think both of them, I mean, they're so cheap. <laughs> like, it's not a lot has to go right for, you know, $5,400 and cheaper receivers on FanDuel to help get you there. So, 
I think, yeah, certainly for big tournaments, and I'll think about them for cash games too, depending on what they can enable for me. Yeah, I think I was a little bit high on, on Devontae Parker's overall target share, dreaming a little bit on like the 11 targets you saw the week before, because he had a two-target right. week before that, and like seven the week before I was at eight targets, and I think I struck me as too high, so I kind yeah, of lowered him. I, I ended up lowering him just a little bit. Um, and then the one guy we didn't mention for the Colts was Marlon Mack. Is like, does he see enough usage in this offense? He doesn't catch the ball really at all in the backfield. That's the thing that dings him the most in our system, but he's only 5,500 on DraftKings for a guy that could carry the ball more than 20 times, especially if they're winning at home, great conditions in a dome. Is he, how close is he to a cash game kind of guy? He could, but his, his usage comes and goes. I mean, and the usage that he does get isn't always particularly effective. <laughs> so right. two weeks ago, 14 touches, something like 38 yards total. Yuck. Last week he had 17 touches for 69 yards and one touchdown. But I don't know. I think you're you're hoping for a lot to happen for Mac if you play him on I mean FanDuel at 7,000 that's just almost out of bounds to me I just don't think I'll play him there DraftKings I guess I can see it a little bit more and I think you're speculating a little bit just because the Colts with those short passes that they do now they just don't need the running game they could use it they do use it sometimes I just don't think think you could say with any degree of certainty that this will be the week that they do uh, let's finish it off with the Steelers and Broncos. Steelers coming off a big coming from behind win against the Jaguars that we talked about a little bit before. They are three-point favorites on the road in Denver. James Conner was a guy that our system still liked going into last week, even though the matchup didn't look that good. He was bad. Uh, there was a little some game script issues, but the, even when he carried the ball, he was bad. So I can't really, I, I can't, I, it can't just say, oh, we ran bad on his, on his touches or whatever. He was just not good. But now when we run lineups at 7,900, he's a guy showing up in basically 100% of our FanDuel lineups. Three points in Denver. Is this where we want to go? Or like, is seventy nine hundred James Conner enough to are we trusting it enough to have a bounce back week? Because we'd be moving away from some of the other other guys like Saquon. Uh, I guess there's not a ton of running backs in this slate, so maybe is it just like right. lack of options here, and that's why James Conner is showing up, or is it that we can really believe in the amount of usage he's going to get? Well, so there's a few things going on with Conner here in my mind. Uh, the first thing is that he did get banged up in that Carolina game, so I think you could throw that game out if you're just looking at past game logs. Then he comes into Jacksonville after practicing in a limited way. Uh, couldn't get anything established on the ground. The Pittsburgh offense was just horrendous in the first half in particular. And they just kept, basically, they just started sticking with what was working. Uh, it's worth noting that even in a pretty rough game, he was still the Steelers still tried to give him the ball 18 times. So nine carries, nine targets. He only turned that into six catches. But uh, And that was after a limited week of practice. This week, he's practicing in full. I think we can still probably buy that he's going to be involved, heavily involved in the offense going forward. I mean, it would be represent a pretty fundamental shift to just ignore him altogether. And Denver this year has been a bottom eight team against the run in a yards per carry basis. So I think, I mean, I like a lot of aspects of the Steelers offense this week. I happen to like Ben and Brown as well. But I think James Conner is probably, I mean, with how reactionary everyone's been about pricing this season, this was a guy who was being played in the mid-8,000s. And now you're getting a 10% discount. And you really have to ask yourself, has anything changed so fundamentally from this guy, or was there, you know, are there reasons for the kind of bad performance the last two games? Yeah, I think that's where I land too. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read too. I'm definitely not reading into the injury game, and I'm not really much into what happened last week. I am fine probably going back and playing him in cash. It's 1300 less on DraftKings than Saquon Barkley. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, I probably would prefer having a situation where I have Gordon Connor and then one of those cheap running backs like we talked about, like a LaShawn McCoy maybe, maybe even like a Peyton Barber, someone like that, uh, or even just a pass catcher in the flex spot. I think that in terms of overall safety, in terms of what we can get from running back, I think Connor is right up with the rest of that group. And I think the ownership will be low again because he's looking at two bad weeks in a row. And 
people maybe just see something else among of these other other group of running backs that they can kind yeah, of Yeah, before his last two weeks, he was leading this group in fantasy points yes. per game. And even in spite of the last two weeks being terrible, he's still only one fantasy point per game behind Barkley. So, yeah, I think people are just pouring dirt on him a little bit too soon for sure. Yep, uh, and you mentioned Brown, Juju, these guys that you are thinking about also, are these how close to, specifically probably Brown, is his, are you worried about the conversion rates or, or you can kind of talk yourself into the amount of targets because the targets are still very much there. He just had an impossible time catching the ball. Like, uh, I don't know if it's because of the, the passes that he's getting from Ben or just whatever it is. Th- 13 targets last week, five receptions for 117 yards and a touchdown. Drew a very tough matchup with Jalen Ramsey, obviously not going to have it as difficult this week. Um, but those 13 targets are tough to ignore. Is he got a guy that maybe we could maybe even try to stack with with Connor if we could just free up enough salary? Yeah, Brown's funny because he's basically still an excellent fantasy receiver and a totally different player <laughs> than right. he was recently as last year. So all the targets are still there. Uh, the touchdowns have been insane. 11 touchdowns this season. He only had one week this year where he didn't have a touchdown. So if you think he's the primary target in the red zone, that's going to give him a pretty significant floor for such a high-octane offense. And he hasn't had more than six catches in a game since week two. I mean, if you were going to tell me that we could go into week 12 this season and Antonio Brown was healthy and had only two games with more than six catches, I would be pretty blown away. So uh, there's definitely reason for concern on Brown. The price is cheaper than it has been in the past. I mean, 8500 we've happily played 9000 plus for him in the past. So you're certainly getting some level of discount. I just don't know if you're getting the safety you want when you compare him. I mean, I just talked about strict fantasy points per game. It doesn't work out this way in a one-to-one basis, but comparing him to like Barkley or Melvin Gordon, it's just in terms of raw fantasy output per game, I think you'd probably take more safety at running back rather than play him. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is a site, DFSR.com. Slash deals gets you started. Go and check that out. Free for seven days and then just $24.95 a month. Includes optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL. Includes all of our NBA projections and optimal lineups as well. Premium members only chat. Premium content. It's all covered in the one subscription. We don't section it off by uh, Slate or site or who wrote it or what the hell some of these other sites do. Yeah, not do. like those other jerks. Yeah, just we, we, if we put it out there, you get it. DFSR.com slash deals. Buddy, enjoy your weekend of football. Talk to you next week. Peace. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.